another episode of Reading Harry Potter with an 11 year old. Today, we are going to be reading Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Chapter 7, The Sorcery Hat. Um, this podcast is intended for all ages, whether it be 1 years old, 2 years old, 3 years old, or 1 trillion years old. Yes, because no matter how poor you are, how rich you are, which country you come from, everyone just deserves to listen to some Harry Potter. So that's why I'm here, reading some Harry Potter. Um, please make sure to follow me on whatever platform you're listening to this on, and uh, check out my podcast, previous episodes and future episodes to come. Uh, share this with your friends and family, if they enjoy Harry Potter, and let's get started. Chapter 7, The Sorting Hat. Let's get started. Chapter 7. The Sorting Hat The door swung open at once. A tall, black-haired witch in emerald green robes stood there. She had a very stern face, and Harry's first, first thought was this was someone not to cross. The first years, Professor McGonagall, said Hagrid. Thank you, Hagrid. I will take them from here. She pulled the door wide. The entrance hall was so big you could have fitted the whole of the Dursley's house in it. The stone walls were lit with flaming torches like the ones at Gringotts. The ceiling was too high to make out, and a magnificent marble staircase facing them led to the upper floors. They followed Professor McGonagall across the flagged stone floor. Harry could hear the drone of a hundred voices from, the, from a doorway to the right. The rest of the school must already be here. But Professor McGonagall showed the first years into a small empty chamber off the hall. They crowded in, standing rather closer together than they usually would have done, peering in, peering about nervously. Welcome to Hogwarts, said Professor McGonagall. The start of term banquet will begin shortly, but before you take your seats in the Great Hall, you will be sorted into your houses. The sorting is a very important ceremony because, while you are here, your house will be something like your family within Hogwarts. You will have classes with the rest of your house, sleep in your house dormitory, and spend your free time in the house common room. There are four houses called Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Slytherin. Each house has its own noble history and has produced outstanding witches and wizards. While you are at Hogwarts, your triumphs will earn you house points, while any rule-breaking will, will lose you house points. At the end of the year, the house, the house with the most points is awarded the House Cup, a great honour. I hope each of you will be a credit to whichever house becomes yours. The sorting ceremony will take place in a few minutes in front of the rest of the school. I suggest you all smarten yourselves up as much as you can while you are waiting. Her eyes lingered on a moment for ne- on Neville's co- cloak, which was fastened, fastened under his left ear, and on Ron's smudged nose. Harry tried. Uh, Harry nervously tried to flatten his hair. I shall return when we are ready for you," said Professor McGonagall. "Please wait quietly." She left the chamber. Harry swallowed. How exactly do they sort us into houses? He asked Ron. Some sort of test, I think. Fred said it hurts a lot, but I think he was only joking. 
Harry's heart gave a terrible jolt. A test in front of the whole school? But he didn't know any magic yet. What on earth would he have to do? He hadn't expected something like this the moment they had arrived. He looked around anxiously and saw that everyone else looked terrified too. No one was talking much except Hermione Granger, who was whispering very fast about all the spells she'd learnt and wondering which one she'd need. Harry tried hard not to listen to her. He'd been never he'd never been more nervous. Never. Not even when he had to take home a school report to home to the Dursleys, saying that he'd somehow turned his teacher's wig blue. He kept his eyes fixed on the door. Any second now, Professor McGonagall would come back and lead them to his doom. Then something happened which made him jump about about with a foot in the air. Several people behind him screamed. What the he gasped. So did uh, the people around him. About twenty ghosts had just streamed through the black wall, pearly white and slightly transparent. They glided across the room, talking to each other and hardly glancing at the first years. They seemed to be arguing. What looked like a fat little monk was saying, Forgive and forget. I say we ought to give him a second chance. My dear friar, haven't we given Peeves all the chances he deserves? He's given us all a bad name, you know, and he's not even really a ghost. I say, what are you doing here? A ghost wearing ruffs, a rough and tights had suddenly noticed the first years. No one, nobody answered. New students, said the fat friar, smiling around them. About to be sorted, I suppose. A few people nodded mutely. Hope to see you in Hufflepuff, said the friar. My old house, you know. Move along now, said the sharp voice. Said a sharp voice. The sorting ceremony is about to start. Professor McGonagall had returned. One by one, the ghosts floated away through the opposite wall. Now, form a line, Professor McGonagall told the first years, and follow me. Feeling oddly as though his legs had turned to lead, to lead, had turned to lead, Harry got into line behind a boy with sandy hair, with Ron behind him, and they walked out of the chamber, back across the hall, and through a pair of double doors into the great hall. Harry had never, had never even imagined such a strange and splendid place. Sorry, I just had to uh, do something. Where was I? Harry had never even imagined such a strange and splendid place. It was lit by thousands and thousands of candles, which were floating in mid-air over four long tables, where the rest of the students were sitting. These tables were laid with glittering golden plates and goblets. At the top of the hall was sitting was another long table, where the teachers were sitting. Professor McGonagall led the first years up here so that they came to a halt in a line facing the other students with the teachers staring and uh, with the teachers behind them. The hundreds of faces stared at them, looked like pale lanterns in the flickering candlelight. Dotted here and there among the students, the ghosts shone misty silver. Mainly to avoid the staring eyes, Harry looked upwards and saw a velvety black ceiling dotted with stars. He heard Hermione whisper, 
It's bewitched to look like the sky outside. I've read about it in Hogwarts, a history. It was hard to believe that there was a ceiling there at all, and that the Great Hall didn't simply op- that didn't simply open onto the heavens. Harry looked. Harry quickly looked down again, as Professor McGonagall silently placed a four-legged stool in front of the first years. On top of the stool, she put a pointed wizard's hat. This hat was extremely patched and frayed and extremely dirty. Aunt Petunia wouldn't have let it in the house. Maybe they had to try and get a rabbit out of it, Harry thought wildly. That seemed the sort of thing. Noticing that everyone in the hall was now staring at the hat, he stared at it too. For a few seconds, there was complete silence. Then the hat twitched. A rip near the brim opened wide like a mouth, and the hat began to sing. Oh, you may not think I'm pretty, but don't judge on what you can see. I'll eat myself if you can find a smarter hat than me. You can keep your bowlers black and your top hat sleek and tall. For I'm the Hogwarts sorting hat and I can cap them all. There's nothing hidden inside your head the sorting hat can't see. So try me on and I will tell you where you ought to be. You might belong in Gryffindor, where the dwell... Where dwell the brave at heart. Their daring nerve and chivalry set Gryffindors apart. You might belong in Hufflepuff, where they are just as loyal. Where they are just and loyal. Those patient Hufflepuffs are true, and yet unafraid of toil. Or yet in wise old Ravenclaw, if you've got a ready mind. Where those wits of wit, where those of wit and learning will always find their kind. Or perhaps in Slytherin, you'll make your real friends. To achieve cunning folk by use by any means to achieve their ends. So put me on, don't be afraid, and don't get in a flat. You're in safe hands, though I have none for I'm a thinking cat. Sorry if that was bad melody. The whole hall burst into applause as the hat finished its song. Then it bowed to to each of the four tables, then become quite still again. So we've just got to try the hat on. Ron whispered to Harry. I'll kill Fred. He was going on about wrestling a troll. Ron, Harry smiled weakly. Yes. Trying to do trying on the hat was a lot better than having to do a spell. But he did wish that he could have tried it on without everyone watching. The hat seemed to be asking rather a lot. Harry didn't feel brave or quick-witted or any of it at the moment. If the hat had mentioned a house for people who felt a bit queasy... That would have been the one for him. Professor McGonagall steps forward, holding a long roll of parchment. When I call your name, you will be sorted on the hat and sit on your stool to be sorted, she said. Abbott Hannah, a pink-faced girl with blonde pigtails, stumbled out of line, put on the hat, which fell right down over her eyes, and sat down. A moment's pause. Hufflepuff, shouted the hat. The table on the right cheered and clapped as Hannah went down, went to sit down at the Hufflepuff table. Harry saw the ghost of Fat Friar waving merrily at her. Bone, Susan! Hufflepuff! shouted the hat again, and Susan scuffled off to sit next to Hannah. Boot, Terry! Ravenclaw! The table from the second left clapped this time. 
Several Ravenclaws stood up to shake hands with Terry as he joined them. Brocklehurst, Bro- Brocklehurst Mandy went to Ravenclaw too, but Brown Lavender became the first new Gryffindor, and the table on the far left exploded with cheers. Harry could see Ron's twin brother catcalling. Twin brothers catcalling. Bulstrode Millicent then became a Slytherin. Perhaps it was all uh, Harry's imagination. After all he'd heard about Slytherin, perhaps it was Harry's imagination. After all he'd heard about Slytherin, but he thought they looked like an unpleasant lot. He was starting to feel definitely sick now. He remembered being picked for teams during sports lessons at his old school. He had always been last to be chosen, not because he was no good, but because no one wanted Dudley to think they, were, they liked him. Flinch Fletchley Justin. Hufflepuff! Sometimes, Harry noticed, the hat took uh, shouted at the house at once, but others took a while to, to decide. Finnegan Seamus, the sandy-haired boy next to Harry in the line, stood on the stool for almost a whole minute before the hat had declared him a Gryffindor. Granger Hermione. Hermione almost ran to the stool and jammed the hat eagerly on her, hat, on her head. Gryffindor, shouted the hat. Ron groaned. A horrible thought struck Harry as horrible thoughts always uh, do when you're very nervous. What if he wasn't chosen at all? What if he just sat there with the hat over his head, over his eyes for ages, until Professor McGonagall jerked it off his head and said there obviously been a mistake and he'd better get back on the train? When Neville Longbottom, the boy who kept losing his toad, was called, he fell over on his way to the stool. The hat took a long time to decide with Neville. When it finally ran, when it finally shouted Gryffindor, Neville ran off still wearing it and had to jog back admit gales of laughter to give it to MacDougall Morag. Malfoy swaggered forward at when his name was called and he got his wish at once. The hat had barely touched his head when it screamed, Slytherin! Malfoy went to join his friends Crab and Goyle, looking pleased with themselves. With himself. There, weren't, there weren't many people left now. Moon, not Parkinson, then a pair of twin girls, Patil and Patil, then Perk Salian, then at last Potter Harry. As Harry stepped forward, whispers suddenly broke out like hissing fires all over the hall. Potter, did she say? The Harry Potter. The last thing Harry saw before the hat dropped over his eyes was the full was the hall full of people craning to get a good look at him. Next second, he was looking at the black inside of the hat. He waited. Hmm, said a small voice in his ear. Difficult. Very difficult. Plenty of courage, I see. Not a bad man mind either. There's talent. Oh my goodness, yes. Ooh, and a nice first to prove yourself. Now that's interesting. So where should I put you? Harry gripped the edges of the stool and thought, Not Slytherin, not Slytherin, not Slytherin, eh? said the small voice. Are you sure? You could be great, you know, it's all in your head. 
and Slither will help you on your way to greatness, no doubt about that. No? Well, if you're sure, better be Gryffindor! Harry heard the hat shout the last word to the whole hall. He took off the hat and walked shakily towards the Gryffindor table. He was so relieved to not be put in put to not been chosen and to not to no. He was so relieved to have been chosen and not put in Slytherin. He hardly noticed that he was getting the loudest cheer yet. Percy the Prefect got up and shook his hand vigorously, while the while the Weasley twins shouted, "We got Potter! We got Potter!" Harry sat down opposite of the ghost in the ruff he'd seen earlier. The ghost patted his arm, giving Harry the sudden horrible feeling he just plunged into a bucket of ice-cold water. He could see the high table properly now. At the near, at the end, at the nearest end, no, at the end nearest him sat Hagrid, who caught his eye and gave him a thumbs up. The thumbs up. Harry grinned back. And in the centre of the high chair stood in a large gold chair, Albus Dumbledore. High table, sorry. Harry recognised him at once from the card he got out of the chocolate frog on the train. Dumbledore's silver hair was the only thing in the whole hall that shone as brightly as the ghosts. Harry thought Professor Harry spotted Professor Quirrell too. The nervous the nervous young man from the leaky cauldron. He was looking very peculiar in his large purple turban. And now there were only three people left to be sorted. Turpin Lisa became a Ravenclaw. And then it was Ron's turn. He was pale green by now. Harry crossed his fingers under the table. And a second later, the hat had shouted, Gryffindor! Uh, Harry clapped loudly with the rest, with the rest, as Ron collapsed into the chair next to him. Well done, Ron. Excellent, said Percy Weasley, promptly, as across Harry, as Zabini Blaze was made of Slytherin. Professor McGonagall rolled up her scroll and took the sorting hat away. Harry had looked down at his uh, empty gold plate. He had only realised how hungry he was. He had only just realised how hungry he was. The pumpkin pasties seemed ages ago. Albus Dumbledore had got to his feet. Um, his arms opened wide, as if there was not, as if, as if nothing could have pleased him more than to see them all there. Welcome, he said. Welcome to a new year at Hogwarts. Before we begin our banquet, I would like to say a few words, and here they are: Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Thank you. He sat back down. Everybody clapped and cheered. Harry didn't know whether to laugh or not. Is he a bit mad? He asked Percy, Percy uncertainly. Mad, said Percy airily. He's a genius, best wizard in the world. But he is a bit mad, yes. Potatoes, Harry. Harry's mouth fell open. The dishes in front of him were now piled with food. He had never seen so many things he'd like to eat on one table. Roast beef, roast chicken, pork chops and lamb chops, sausages, bacon and steak, boiled potatoes, roast potatoes, chips, Yorkshire pudding, peas, carrots, gravy, ketchup, and for some strange reason, mint humbugs. 
The Dursleys had never exactly starved Harry, but he'd never been allowed to eat as much as he liked. Dudley had always taken anything that Harry really wanted, even if it made him sick. Harry piled his plate with a bit of everything, except the humbugs, and began to eat. It was all delicious. That does look good, said the ghost in the rough, sadly, watching Harry cut up his steak. Can't you... I haven't eaten for nearly five hundred years, said the ghost. But I don't need to, of course, but one does miss it. I don't think I've introduced myself. Sir Nicholas de Mimpsey Porkenden, at your service, residence of resident ghost of Gryffindor Tower. I know who you are, said Ron suddenly. My brother's told me about you. You're nearly headless Nick. I would prefer you to call me Sir Nicholas de Mimpsey the ghost began, st- began stiffly, but the sandy-haired Seamus Finnegan interrupted. Nearly headless? How can you be nearly headless? Sir Nicholas was extremely miffed, as if that little chat wasn't going the way he wanted. Like this, he said irritably. He seized his left ear and pulled. His whole head swung off his neck and fell on his shoulder as if on a hinge. Someone had obviously tried to behead him, but not done it properly. Looking pleased at the stunned looks on their faces, Nearly Headless Nick flipped his head back on, coughed and said, So, you Gryffindors, I hope you're going to help us win the house championship this year. Gryffindor have never gone so long without winning. The Slytherin have got the cup six years in a row. The bloody Baron's becoming almost unbearable. He's the Slytherin ghost. Harry looked over at the Slytherin table and saw a horrible ghost sitting there with blank staring eyes, a gaunt face and robes stained with silver blood. He was right next to Malfoy, who, Harry was pleased to see, didn't look too pleased with the seating arrangements. How did he get covered in blood? asked Samus with great interest. I've never asked, said Nearly Headless Nick delicately. When everyone had eaten as much as they could, the the remains of the food faded from the plates, leaving them sparkling clean as before. A moment later, the puddings appeared, blocks of ice cream in every flavour you can think of. Apple pies, triacle, trickle, tarts, chocolate eclairs, and jam donuts, trifle. Strawberry, jelly, rice pudding. Harry helped himself to a trickle tart, and turned to the and turned to talk to their families. And the talk turned to their families. I'm a half and half," said Seamus. "Me dad's a muggle. Mam didn't tell him until he was a witch until after they were married. Bit of a shock for him." The others laughed. "What about you, Neville?" said Ron. "Well, my gran brought me up, and she's a witch." said Neville, but the family thought I was a muggle for ages. My great auntie Algie kept trying to catch me off guard and for some reason uh, um, tried to force the magic out of me. He pushed me at the end of the black pool pier once. I nearly drowned, but nothing happened until I was about eight. Great aunt Algie came round for tea and he was hanging me, by, um, hanging me upside down the window by, his, by the ankles. When my great auntie, my great auntie Enid, offered him a meringue, and he accidentally let go, 
but I bounced all the way down to the garden and into the road. They were all really pleased. Gran was crying, she was so happy. And you should have seen the, uh, their faces when I got here in here. They thought I'm not, I might not be magic enough to come, you see. My great aunt Algie was so pleased, she bought me a toad. On Harry's other side, Percy Weasley and, and Hermione were talking about lessons. I do hope they, they start straight away. There's so much I'm, there's so much to learn. I'm particularly interested in transfiguration, you know? Turning something into something else, of course. It's supposed to be very difficult. You'll need to, you'll need be, you'll be starting small things. Just matches into needles and that sort of thing. Harry, who was starting to feel warm and sleepy, looked up at the high table again. Hagrid was drinking from his goblet. Professor McGonagall was talking to Professor Dumbledore. Professor Bercur Professor Quirrell, in his absurd turban, was talking to a teacher with greasy black hair, a hooked nose, and sallow skin. It it happened very suddenly. The hook-nosed teacher looked past Quirrell's turban and straight into Harry's eyes, and a sharp, hot pain shot across the scar on Harry's forehead. Ouch! Harry clapped his uh, clapped a hand to his head. What is it? asked Percy. N nothing. The pain had gone as quickly as it had come. Shake harder to shake off the feeling Harry had got from the teacher's look, a feeling that he didn't like at all. Who's that teacher talking? Who's the teacher talking to Professor Quirrell? He asked Harry. Uh, he asked Percy. Oh, you know Quirrell already, do you? No wonder he's looking so nervous. That's Professor Snape. He teaches potions, but he doesn't want to. Everyone knows he's after Quirrell's job. Knows an awful lot about the dark arts, Snape. Harry watched Snape for a while, but Snape didn't look at him again. At last, the puddings too disappeared, and Professor Dumbledore got to his feet again. The hall fell silent. Ahem. <clears throat> Just to give a few more words, and now we are all fed and watered. I have a few start-of-term notices to give you. First, you should note that the, the forest in the grounds is forbidden to all pupils, and a few of our older students would remember would would do well to remember that as well. Dumbledore's twinkling eyes flashed in the direction of the Weasley twins. I have also been asked by Mr. Filch, the caretaker, to remind you that no magic should be used between classes in the corridors. Quidditch trials will be held in the second week of term. Anyone interested in playing should contact their house teams. Uh, should anyone interested playing uh, for their house team should contact Madame Hooch. And finally, I must tell you that this year, the third floor corridor on the right-hand side is out of bounds to everyone who does not wish to die a painful death. Harry laughed, but he was one of the few who did. He's not serious, he muttered to Percy. Must be, said Percy, frowning at Dumbledore. It's odd, because he usually gives us a reason while we're not, um, while we're not allowed to go somewhere. Forest is full of dangerous beasts, everyone knows that. I do think he might have told us prefects at least. And now, before we go to bed, let us sing the school's song, cried Dumbledore. Harry noticed that 
The other teacher's smiles had become rather fixed. Dumbledore gave his wand a little flick, as if he was trying to get a fly off the end, and a long gold ribbon flew out of it, which rose high above the tables and twisted itself into snake-like words. Everyone pick their favorite tune, said Dumbledore, and off we go. And the school bellowed. Hogwarts, Hogwarts, hoggy warty Hogwarts, teach us something, please. Whether we be old and bold, or young with scabby knees, our heads could do with some feeling. With some interesting stuff. For now they're bare and full of air, dead flies and bits of fluff. So teach us things worth knowing. Bring back what we forgot. Just do your best, we'll do the rest and learn till our brains all rot. Everybody finished the song at different times. At last, only the Weasley twins were left, singing along to a very slow funeral march. Dumbledore conducted the last few lines the last few lines with his wand, and when they had finished, he was the one of those who clapped loudest. Ah music, he said, wiping his eyes. A magic beyond all we do here. And now, bedtime. Off you trot. The Gryffindor first years followed Percy through the chattering crowds, out of the Great Hall, and up the marble staircase. Harry's legs were were like lead again, but only because he was so tired and full of food. He was too sleepy to be even surprised that the portraits the people in the portraits along the corridors whispered and pointed as they passed, or that twice Percy had them through doorways hidden behind sliding panels and hanging tapestries. They climbed more staircases, yawning and dragging their feet, and Harry was wondering uh, how much further they had to go when they came to a sudden halt. A bundle of walking sticks was floating in midair ahead of them, and, and, and as Percy took a step towards them, he started throwing themselves at him. They started throwing themselves at him, Peeves, Percy whispered to the first years, a poltergeist. He raised his voice. Peeves, show yourself. A loud, rude sound, like a, like the air being let out of a balloon, answered. Do you want me to go to the Bloody Baron? There was a pop, and a little man with wicked dark eyes and a wide mouth appeared. Uh, floating cross-legged in the air, clutching the walking sticks. Ooh, he said with an evil cackle. Ickle thirsties, what fun! He swooped suddenly at them. They all ducked. Go away, Peeves, or the Baron will hear about this. I mean it, barked Percy. Peeves stuck out his tongue and vanished. Dropping the walking sticks on Neville's head, they walked, they heard him zooming away. A rattling coats of, rattling coats of armour as he passed. You want to watch out for Peeves, said Percy as they set off again. The bloody band's the only one who can control him. He won't even listen to us prefects. Here we are. At the very end of the corridor hung a portrait of a very fat woman in a pink silk dress. Password, she said. 
Tap it, Draconis, said Percy, and the portrait swung forward to reveal a round hole in the wall. They all scrambled through it. Neville needed a leg up and found themselves in the Gryffindor common room, a cosy round room full of squashy armchairs. Percy directed the girls through one door uh, to their dormitory and the boys through another. They were at the top of the spiral staircase. There were obviously one of the tower. There were obviously in one of the towers. They found their beds at last. Five four poster hung. Five five four posters hung with deep re- with deep red velvet curtains. Their trunks had been already. Their trunks had already been brought. Um, brought up. Too tired to talk much. They pulled on their pyjamas and fell into bed. Great food, isn't it? Ron muttered to Harry through the hangings. Get off, scabbers! He's chewing my sheets! Harry was going to ask Ron if he had any, he, if he had any of the treacle tart, but he fell, he fell asleep almost at once. Perhaps Harry had eaten a bit too much because he had had a very strange dream. He was wearing Professor Quirrell's turban, which kept talking to him, telling he must transfer it to Slytherin at once, because it was his destiny. Harry told the turban it didn't want to be in Slytherin. It got heavier and heavier. He tried to pull it off, but it was tightened painfully. And there, and there was... got heavier and heavier. And there was Malfoy, laughing at him as he struggled with it. Then Malfoy turned the hook-nosed teacher, Snape, whose laugh became high and cold. There was a, there was a burst of green light, and Harry woke, sweating and shaking. He rolled over and fell asleep again, and when he woke up the next day, he didn't remember the dream at all. Thank you for listening to this episode of Reading Harry Potter with an 11-year-old. I really hope you enjoyed the next chapter is called Chapters 8, Chapter 8, The Potions Master. I really enjoy doing these. It's really, really fun. I like to share my passion with the world. And I can't read to my little sister because she doesn't want to. So why not read to some other six-year-old out there? Um, this, video, uh, this podcast was made by Anchor. Uh, they're really, really good. Uh, and I've noticed in Spotify that they've been... Um, adding I don't know how to explain what's the word ads about anchor in the in after my episodes so anchor if you're listening to this um I'm really supporting you right now because guys anchor is amazing if you want to make a podcast or want to do anything really because you need an anchor account to send voice message links so and even if you want to start your own podcast it, you don't just have to do it because you want to send me a voice message link. You can make your own podcast. It's great. It automatically sends uh, your podcast to all the major platforms like Spotify. And I'm currently on the pending list for other ones like Apple Podcasts, Breakers, TuneIn. Yeah, it's really, really good. Those are just like maybe like 20, 15, 15 or 20 um platforms that it can send you on anyway it's great uh i really hope you enjoyed this episode of reading harry potter with an 11 year old and i'll see you when i make another episode bye